sins, pay the price, and you're free. Is that right? It is a good place at the cross, isn't it? And thank the Lord for our Lord. It's a privilege to be with you today. Thank you for the opportunity to come and share with you. This church gets prayed for uh, more than any other church I know of besides our own church. Uh, I've got some vested interest in this place, and there's not a day goes by that uh, they don't get prayed for, and therefore you do as well. So uh, we count it a privilege to be with you today, and uh, this is about the only place I know I can go, and they usually introduce me the same way, believe it or not. Uh, They say, you know, this guy is my father in the ministry, (laughs) and so, and and one of them told his uh, folks the other day, he said, you know, Everything I learned got from this guy. And I had to apologize right off because I knew, you know. <laughs> but this this one really is my son. And uh, we, we do count a privilege to have a part in a lot of guys' lives. But uh, certainly are proud of our son and our children and our grandchildren. And uh, look forward to what God's going to be doing in their life and your life. I'd like for you to take your Bible and turn with me this morning to Revelation chapter 1. We're going to be looking, as uh, Jared's already shared, uh, some of this book. You know, in the Old Testament, Jesus, and I hope you're here because of Jesus, are you? Yeah, he's it. We're the only gathering that comes together every week to glorify Jesus. He deserves it, and that's what we do. In the Old Testament, Jesus was seen all the way through. When you find the plural, uh, when he speaks about let us make, he's talking about Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. And you find Jesus all through the Old Testament, like when he appeared to Abraham. The scripture says uh, the angel, when it says the angel of the Lord, That is speaking about Jesus throughout the Old Testament. And so he was constantly all the way through the Old Testament. Then we get the New Testament. And we find Jesus, the very image of God, comes and dwells among us. So we know a location. We know a place. We know an actual person walked on this earth. And so in the New Testament... We get revealed all about Jesus. And what a blessing. Then in Acts, we find Jesus ascended up to the Father. Then the disciples start working. The Holy Spirit descends. And it's 60 years has gone by. That's a long time. John's been preaching. What's he been doing? Uh, In verse 9, Revelation 1. I, John. Do you remember who John is? John's one of the disciples. He's that disciple that is described as the one that Jesus loved. Laid his head over on Jesus' chest. Uh, He and Jesus, very close. The only one who had the guts enough to stand at the cross. Stay there. The rest were chickens and they ran off. John saw him go up. And then John says, I'm your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of the Lord Jesus. Was on the isle that's called Patmos for the word of God 
and the testimony of Jesus Christ. John is in prison. That's what he's saying. You all have experienced tribulation? He said, I've experienced it. I'm in jail now because of the testimony of Jesus Christ. I didn't fail to talk about Jesus and his way. And friend, that day's coming again in America. When we'll be the same way. Will you be willing to stand up and say, I believe in Jesus and what Jesus said. Will you be able to stand? Will you willing? Comes on this marriage. God said it one way. That's it. Between a man and a woman. Folks say, well, you know, that's not rational in our today's life. I don't care what's rational, friend. Jesus is who I'm following. He's the one that's going to take me to heaven, and no government in this land is going to take you anywhere but to hell. So follow Jesus. Jesus said, I'm on the Isle of Patmos. John says, I'm on the Isle of Patmos because I preach Jesus, and they put me in jail. Now, you need to know a little bit about John. He's 90 years old. I went to a party yesterday. One of our members is 90 years old. I would not dare. Now, I tell you, I studied under liberals, and they, I remember what they said about John. said, oh, he's 90 years old. You know, he just kind of went out of his head and, and dreamed up all this stuff in Revelation. I tell you what, I wouldn't dare go to my friend yesterday and say, I know you're 90 years old and you don't have any sense. This guy's got more sense than I've got, and I know some of your members here. How many of you got? How many of you here today are ninety plus, ninety and over? Miss Ethel, you the only one. Come on, you better not tell her you she didn't have any sense. Or Brother Carver, I was privileged to be here at the funeral uh, when Brother Carver. Man, I tell you what, sharp man, what a blessing. No, John isn't crazy. And when you're 90 years old, that doesn't mean you're crazy. It means you're blessed and you've got more sense than other folks. You know, what's it say? John left Jerusalem. Jerusalem's down uh, Israel's uh, just kind of in that, uh, side of the uh, Mediterranean Sea. And the persecution started. And uh, folks started leaving Jerusalem. It's not a place to stay. And so they left. And John left as well and went to Turkey. Uh, all the churches that we're going to study are in Turkey, modern-day Turkey. It's called Asia Minor in the Scripture. Uh, John went to a place that's just north of Ephesus and uh, built a church there, a great church. And off from that church, if you look, it's right on the seacoast, and if you look right out in the Mediterranean Sea, 60 miles out, on a clear day you can see the island. This old preacher, 90 years old, been preaching at this church. And they say he's a threat. We need to lock him up. We need to shut him up. Put him in jail. 90 years old. The older we get, the more of a threat we ought to be to the devil. Don't you get to the place that, you know, well, I'm older and I'm quitting. Let some of the younger boys do You know, when you say that, I believe God's getting ready to graduate you on and put you in the box. That's right. I was reading again the story about the, the rich man who uh, 
built more barns. And he said, you know what? I'm going to take my ease, eat, drink, and be merry. What's he describing? He's talking about retirement. He said, I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to lay around and eat and drink the rest of my life. And God said, you know what, you fool? I don't need you on this earth anymore. You're out of here. And you know what? When we get to the place that you say, I'm too old to be used, go ahead, buy your casket, get ready to get in it. Why should God leave you here? Work! When you're 90 years old, be a threat to the devil and say, you know what? I'm going to stand up against you. I know of nothing greater. And John did that at 90 years old, standing up and said, you've got to shut the guy up. So they put him in jail. You can't shut a Christian up, can you? Oh, no. And from that place, God spoke and revealed himself. What a day it must have been. In verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. John's in prison, and what happens? He sees the Lord. Oh, what a wonderful time. He's been preaching about him for 60 years, and now we get to hear from him again. I hope you got one of those red letter Bibles. Uh, people say, well, the red letters, you know, and that does is the word Jesus says. That's true. Well, most folks don't realize when you turn to the book of Revelation, you better get ready. There's some more red letters. Why? Jesus is talking to us. And in this very chapter, we're going to hear words from Jesus from heaven. He's been in heaven 60 years. He's seen what the church has done. And now he's going to talk to us. In this first chapter, John loved Jesus. And I hope you love Jesus. Friend, he's who we ought to be like. He makes a difference in our life. He changes us. When you go to the cross and you experience him, he changes what we're born like. We're born with bad DNA. And, and you know, Jesus changes all that. He makes us a new person. And he keeps doing it. You can't say, well, I was changed 50 years ago. <laughs> no, he just keeps doing it. And I'm so thankful for that. And so what he does is describe what Jesus looks like, uh, what, who he is, what it looks like. And then he gives his own testimony of what Jesus says about himself. So would you stand with us as we read a few of these verses? Uh, best description in the Bible of Jesus, John gives in verse 5 and 6 when he just sums up. Okay, you want to know who Jesus is? Here he is. And John says, And from Jesus who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and the Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And that's his description of what Jesus is. Good description. Best I know of in all the scripture. And then he describes, he's, he's looking, and the uh, Lord talks to him and tells him who he is in verse 11. And then he sees him in the midst of the candlesticks, which are representative of the churches. And he sees him standing there. And he says in verse 12, I turn to look to see what he looked like. First time in John's life he's ever described what Jesus looked like. John, John had wrote a whole gospel. He never said a thing about what Jesus looked like. Now he does. So in verse 13, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle, 
His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as the flame of fire, and his feet were like unto fine brass, as if, if they burned in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun that shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet, and he laid his right hand on me, saying, Now this is red letters. If you don't have one of those Bibles, this is where it starts, quoting Jesus. Fear not. I am the first and the last. I'm he that liveth, was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Wow. You may be seated. John loved Jesus, couldn't get over it, so he just starts and, and shares. Let me share a little about Jesus. Let's look at verse 5 and 6 and walk through that to see what Jesus looked like or, or what he was like. And it says, he's the faithful witness. <laughs> Isn't it great to have somebody tell the truth? We're in campaigning time today. In a joke, to hear all these guys campaigning and saying what they're going to do. You know, you feel like saying, liar, 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 pants on fire. <laughs> you know, you're all a bunch of liars. And then when they get in office, sure enough, you find out, oh, they're still liars. They told us they're going to do this, and they can't do it. Jesus is the only one who is a faithful witness. When Jesus says it, you used to be able to say you go to the bank on it. You can't say that anymore. I went to the bank the other day and told them, you can't say that anymore. It doesn't mean anything. Who knows what bank it is? You go in and change banks every time you turn around. When Jesus says it, friend, it's the truth. So, you know what? Of all the readings you do, this book, read it, believe it. You read the News and Observer, read it, question it. You read the National Geographic, read it. And question it big time. Anything else you read or listen to the news, read it, question it. When our Lord says it, read it, believe it. Every bit of it. Jesus says it, it's true. The second thing he says, he's the first begotten of the dead. He's the first to come back from the dead. You know what? Why is it I don't worship Buddha? He's dead. He stayed dead. Why is it I don't worship, I'm not a Muslim and worship Muhammad? He's dead. Confucius. Dead. Jesus. Come on. Alive. He's the first to come back from the dead. You know, that's why I'm not anything but a Christian. He's the only one. And I won't help. I won't hope for the future, don't you? And it only comes in Jesus. It doesn't come in anybody else in this world. Poor old Joseph Smith, they buried the guy. But Jesus, the first to come back from the dead. That's why I trust in him, believe in him. Not only that, he says he's the prince of the kings of the earth. Oh, uh, Daniel saw all the kings of the ages and 
He saw the Ancient of Days coming against all the kingdoms in the image, and, and it was Jesus himself. And he tore all those down. He foresaw the day when our Lord would reign on this earth. I look forward to it. One day, we're going to have a good ruler in our land, but it's not going to come to the come to King Jesus is on the throne. And by the way, if you tried to run him in America, <laughs> don't you know they'd have a fit? There's Obama, there's Rick, Rick, and then there's Jesus. Can you imagine what folks would say? Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. No. Man, they'd be marching all over the street. Friend, one day he's going to reign. And he is going to be the prince of them. Not only that, he says, unto him that loved us. There's nobody in the world. And I was with the old men this morning. And I know in that class, we, that's what we are talking about, wasn't it? that right, men? Jesus loves everybody. Doesn't matter who you go to. You know, isn't it neat? You can go all over the world. And whoever you go to, you can say, you know what? Jesus loves you. Went to a leper colony some time ago. And I was kind of scared because I'd never been bunch of lepers before and they're all lepers and we were going to be ministering to them and they said you know don't worry about it so we went in you know what we could say even though you only have one hand one arm part of your face is gone Jesus loves you he loves everybody in the world I don't care who you are doesn't matter what capacity you are Jesus loves you there's a verse that tells us that, isn't it? John 3, 16. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Does God love us? He loves everybody. That's why the church doesn't need to close out anybody and say, well, you know, you're like that. You can't be in here. No, no. Anybody in the world, our Lord loves no matter who they are. And so we get to share that great message. And not only that, he says, and last part of this, look at that. And washed us from our sins in his own blood. See how he says that? Washes us from our sins. You ever hear somebody go out and they, they send and, and they say, you know, the first thing I did is I come home and took a bath. Will it do it? No. No, it won't cleanse you. A salesman come by selling detergent. And uh, he showed me how good it was. I told him, I'm not going to buy this stuff. Why should I buy it? And he said, well, let me prove to you how good it is. So I showed him different places around the house to clean up. And uh, I, I was having a ball with him. And, you know, I remember he cleaned a little spot in my doorknob. And I said, you know, you made that doorknob look bad. I'm not going to... I'm not going to buy something that makes one little spot on there. you got to clean the whole thing. So clean the whole thing. I will, I will, I will. And I was carrying around all over the house trying to get the house cleaned up. <laughs> you know, I asked him, will it clean sin? And he looked at me. I said, do you know what will clean sin? He said, no. You do, don't you? 
there's just one thing that clings to sin. What can wash away my sin? Good, that was weak. <laughs> you know the song. It comes from the scripture. What can wash away my sin? That's it. The only detergent that God has given to clean us up is the blood of Jesus. So you can go take all the baths you want, put on the new clothes you want. It's not going to clean you up. Only the blood of Jesus and trusting in Him and giving our sins to Him, that's the only thing that's going to clean us. I hope you've experienced the cleansing. It's not something you do, it's something He's done. And your belief and trust in Him, that's it. Isn't that amazing? It doesn't matter your physical ability. That means it's available for anybody. He'll cleanse us. And then he says in verse 6, a lot of folks say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, I feel like I'm a nothing. God loves nothings. And so he says, you know what, I'm going to make you a priest and king. Both of them. I'm going to make you somebody. That's why Christians going to go around and say, I'm a child of the king. And one day he talks about in this book that we're going to rule and reign with him one day on this particular earth. He's going to make you somebody. Here's I'm just a nobody. I'm a sinner. Friend, you're in the position that God can do something with your life. Would you say, Lord, take my sins, cleanse them with your blood? I don't know how you do that. I don't know. I don't understand how the blood of Jesus can be transferred to me and cleanse me. I don't, there's a lot of things I don't understand. I still don't understand like we flip a light switch and, and light comes around here and lights all these lights up. I don't understand that, but I do it. I just know that when you trust in Jesus, he said, my blood has the power to cleanse your sin. That's fine with me. <laughs> that satisfies you? I'm satisfied. Cleanse my sin. Come in my life. All right, the second thing we find that describes what Jesus looks like. You know, there's no description in the Scripture except right here and in Daniel about what Jesus looks like. And by the way, this description is exactly how Daniel describes him in chapter 7 and chapter 10 as he saw the Lord. So we got all these pictures of Jesus, and I notice we got a few around here. It's amazing how Jesus got to be a German. You know, Germans got blue eyes and blonde hair. I don't know how on earth, you know, and I get to go into our black brethren's churches and uh, uh, my black brother's in his office got Jesus hanging on the cross just as black as he can be. And I didn't say a thing. You know why? <laughs> because our German Jesus is just as crazy. You know, uh why didn't John ever, and Matthew, Mark, any of them, why didn't they ever describe what Jesus looks like? Well, I believe it's because we'll never see that. You know, after he arose from the dead, they had so beat him that they hardly recognized him. He still had the scars in his hand, showed it to them. Wasn't the same one. 
I believe the reason John shares with us is because the Jesus we're going to see is the Jesus that John describes. And so John described him. He said, I saw him. And he said he had a garment uh, all flowing all the way down. He had a large golden belt around him. Um, and his verse 14, his hair, his head and his hair were what color? Why? I see some of you, God's giving you that color. And some of you, it looks like you've done something to it. Why don't you let God go in and make you beautiful? You know, I tell you, some of the godliest folks I've seen in my life, I have seen some that's so much like Jesus. You say, why, why do we need what Jesus looks like? Because, friend, that ought to be our goal. Psalms 90, verse 17, says, Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Why to be like Jesus? I believe physically he'll make us if you'll give your heart to him and yield to him. I, I believe the older you get, you'll be more like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll give you that beautiful color. goes on describing his feet like brass and uh, firmness, the sound of his voice like the sound of many waters. In verse 16, his countenance was as the sun shineth in its strength. It just glowed. Can Christians do that? God can. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you invite Christ in you, what happens? I tell you, the best thing you do for your looks is get Jesus in your, in your life. But one of our teenagers gets saved not long ago, and poor thing, you know, she needed some help. And she got saved. It is amazing. I told her. You know, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened in your life. You look so pretty now. He just changes you. He's put a glow on you. Have you noticed that? When a person gets Christ in your life, you get a glow. You can be around a person and say, there's a glow. Without Christ, it's dead. It's dark. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you that's also in Christ Jesus. Wow. The mind that's in Christ, let that be in you. So our goal ought to be, Lord, I want you in me. I want to know all about you. I want you to glow in and through and out from me. I want the glory of God shining through my life. You ever seen it? Oh, he does. Oh, it's such a glory. But you can't make it up. You can't put it on with makeup. You can't put big lights on you or anything like that and make it happen. And one of my members the other day said, you know, what is it, they change the light bulbs in here? I can see you so much better. <laughs> I just left it with him. said, you know what? When the glory of the Lord shines out, you'll see it. 
And Jesus, you remember when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, John had been there with him on that time. And now he describes him again. And he said, when I saw him, he, he just lit up. I mean, the glory of God, his countenance like the sun. And you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, they were there. And John saw it again and saw Jesus all lit up in his glorified body. And now he sees him again, lit up. How are we going to be in that new body? Well, we're going to be glorified and we're going to, it's going to be a glow about us. The beauty of God shining all over us right now. We have the privilege of walking in this earth with the glory of God in our life. Do you have that yet? It's yours if you want it. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And your blood has the power to change me. Do it. And come in me. Come in me. Right now. And you know what? You'll walk out of here with the glory of God in you. You see, is he finished? No, no, no. You see, the fun. I've, I've been a Christian now, uh, gracious, I don't know, 50-some years, I guess. Or probably, no, more than that. Uh, and, and you know what? You keep enjoying his changing and working in your life. Doesn't quit. Keeps going. Every stage of your life. Wonderful. Get him in your heart. Ask him to come in. He'll do that. All right, the third thing that happens, and, and it, it gives a testimony of it right here in red letters in verse 17. Jesus shares his own word. He said, I am the first and the last. Now, he's already said those words in verse 8 and then in verse 11. Both of them red letters. Jesus said, I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. Wow, what does he mean by that? I'm the A and the Z. <laughs> you know, in every church you go to, there's always those folks in that church who say, Preacher, now I've been around for a while. You know what they're trying to say. I'm the A and Z. Now, we've never done things that way here in this church. So what they're trying to do is establish the fact that they've been around, they know what's going on. That's why I've been in my church 34 years. One of my staff members the other day sat, popped up with a, you know, we hadn't done that that way before. I said, I don't care. I've been here before you have. <laughs> and you know what Jesus is saying? For all those folks that said, well, you know, we all come from monkeys and we all evolved, you know, and we're, we're, we're arriving. And, and, you know, monkeys evolve. And, you know, now we've moved from heterosexual to homosexual and you know what we're who knows where we're going to arrive at next yeah if you're evolved jesus said i'm the alpha i was here when you were made i was here at creation and i'm going to be here at the end so don't go telling jesus how to do things what he's doing is establishing the fact i've been around been when it started going to be when it closes and i'm going to just show you what it's going to be like What's he saying? I want to be Lord. Have you bowed to his being your Lord? He goes on to talk about it. He says, uh, there's nobody in the world that we can describe like verse 18. I'm he that liveth was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Who else can say that? 
Now, I know some of you go to the hospital you know, and they say, well, you died for two minutes. Go around and brag about it if you want to. But you're not going to be alive forevermore. You're just going to die again. Jesus is the only one who said, I was alive. I died. And I'm alive forevermore. And then he says, <laughs> Amen. And I got the keys of hell and death. Where you go to eternity, I'm in charge. When you go, I'm in charge. Don't mess around with Jesus, friends. He's in charge. I've seen folks make such bold statements against the Lord. And I've seen them regret it. Our Lord's in charge. You can say, well, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to do it today. (laughs) He just might say, this is it for you. You're not going to live another day. You don't tell Jesus, I'm going to do something. I found you don't tell Jesus anything. He just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord will. I'll be back. Right now is the only time you got to, to make a decision. It's right now. And friends, Jesus loves you. He wants to come in your life. And I tell you, I don't care who you are. You can be a young person, a real old person. He will make a difference in your life. He'll change your life right here now. You should pray with me right now. Will you do that?